the closest that the Bible comes to something like a recognition of New Year's is found in Exodus 12. I bet you didn't know that. Exodus 12. I really didn't know it either. It kind of popped in my mind, but I didn't know where really to find it. But here it is in Exodus chapter 12. Take a look at this. This, uh, we read this just before the first Passover, right? Exodus 12 kind of goes on to really get into the details, the nitty-gritty of the Passover. Uh, This is while the Hebrews were still in Egypt, uh, still as slaves in Egypt. Look what it says. Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Pretty clear, isn't it? He's resetting their calendar. And what is it going to be reset around? It's going to be reset around redemption. Isn't that a beautiful concept, that idea? That their whole calendar, their new year would be reset around redemption. This was the month at that time was called Aviv. Aviv. Right? Later, the month was called Nisan. Nisan. So, you'll see Nisan in the book of Esther. It's only mentioned twice in the Bible, only used twice in the Bible. In the book of Esther, coming from later in the Persian period of Old Testament history. That's right after the Babylonian period that we looked at last year in our Old Testament readings. But Nisan 1 takes place on our calendar in March or April. Why does it shift around like that? Well, remember what happens on Nisan 15, the Passover, celebration of the Passover. Why does it shift around? Anyone know why it shifts around? The the Hebrews used a lunar calendar, and that means that the cycles of the moon differ than the cycles, of course, of the sun. So it's always going to kind of be different in terms of that shift with us. And if you remember, uh, well, all of this can be confusing, this idea. um, There's a connection, of course, between Passover and Easter. That's why Easter moves around the way that it does on our calendars. The reason this can be confusing, this idea of New Year in the Hebrew calendar, is that there is an observance by Jews today called Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah takes place when? In September or October. (laughs) So now we're scratching our heads thinking, what's going on here? What are these different New Year's? I believe that Rosh Hashanah is the Feast of Trumpets. It actually falls on the same day as the Feast of Trumpets, also called in the book of Exodus the Feast of Ingathering. Now that was a 10-day period that led up to what day? Yom Kippur. And Yom Yom Kippur was the Day of Atonement. The one time of the year that the high priest, the Hebrew high priest, would go in and make a sacrifice for the whole nation, all the unintentional sins of the people that they would be covered. So somehow that day became the the New Year. No one knows exactly how the the calendar shifted, but there's good evidence that by the time of Jesus, it had shifted. So that the new year was celebrated in the fall rather than back in the spring. Now, 
why all of that little lesson on Hebrew conceptions of Jewish conceptions of New Year? Well, all that to say Scripture has very little to tell us as followers of Jesus about observing any kind of specific calendar, including any kind of a New New Year's observance. But that does not mean, it does not mean that recognizing the end of one year and the beginning of another is a waste of our time. No, 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 absolutely not. For the believer, for the disciple of Jesus, New Year's, like so many other days on our own cultural calendar, can be a wonderful opportunity for glorifying God, for Christ-centered reflection. Now, let's explore that idea this morning as we deviate from our reading plan. Look together, we're looking together this morning at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you're there, drop down to verse 16, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. In verse 16 through 18, Paul provides here for his readers, and God has provided for us this morning. God is speaking to us. He wants to speak to you this morning through this ancient word given now in this modern setting. We want to hear the voice of God. Here are several brief, he gives us here several brief, several very well-known calls to action in verses 16, 17, and 18. Listen to these. Follower of Jesus, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Those are great, aren't they? It's such a short little set of verses, but so powerful, these encouragements. Now, Since this is the last day of our calendar year, today, December 31st, and a brand new, since a brand new year is almost upon us in a matter of hours. Isn't that crazy if you go online like I did this morning? Not that I was spending time on Sunday morning online, but when I log in to get my stuff to print out the bulletins and things this morning, um, they always pop up with like a homepage. And I think it's like a Bing homepage comes up. Well, what am I seeing on there? Thailand New Year's celebration. The pictures from that celebration. I'm thinking, is that right? Well, yeah, it is actually because they're they're already celebrating the New Year on the other side of the world, aren't they? So crazy to think about that. That there's New Year celebrations going on in that whole 24-hour, one-hour time period separation of time zone coming around the world. We're catching up to that right now for our turn to celebrate the New Year. Since it is that day, and thinking about those verses that Paul has just provided for us, God has provided for us, we could look at these verses, and we could be inspired to pray, God, by your grace, by your spirit, let this new year to come be one in which I really am rejoicing always in which I I truly am praying or in a prayerful mindset at all times. May this be a year in which I am sincerely giving thanks in all circumstances. Would that be a good prayer? Absolutely it would be a great. It would be a great prayer. It would be a wonderful resolution to make right now or really any point throughout the year. It's really the expression that we heard from the Valley of Vision as Elder Christian shared with us 
that same desire, that beautiful desire to walk closely with God, to know God, to serve Him and glorify Him, to serve Him faithfully, uh, that never gets old. That's never out of place. And what a wonderful time to be able to, to do that and think ahead in that way. And in years past, if you go back and just look at the calendar of my teaching, my, uh, my preaching as a pastor for these kind of this New Year section, these New Year, what we might call New Year's messages, I have often looked forward in that very way, asking how does God want to renew our vision personally and as a church in the year ahead? In light of His grace, in what ways can we recommit ourselves to spiritual growth? Recommit ourselves to His glorious work in the coming months of this new year? Again, I believe that approach, especially at this point on the calendar, is a great way to honor Jesus Christ and to grow in grace. But, let me suggest that we do something different this time around. As good as that is, let me suggest that first we narrow our, narrow our focus down to verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians 5. We just narrow our focus down to verse 18. Keep it simple. And second, that we use a day like this on our culture's calendar not to think about what could be in the new year to come, but instead... To reflect on what has been. That is, to look back on this past year with the singular goal of gratitude. That's it. To look back over this past year with the singular goal of gratitude. Verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. Well, why should we do that? Paul tells us, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I can't think of a better reason, can you? <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Why should you do this? It's the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul tells us something very similar in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Take a look. That's where he writes this. He writes about giving thanks always and for everything. Always and for everything. Sounds like a Lionel Richie song, I think, from the 70s. I don't know. Uh, always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love the way that that kind of pairs with 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It enhances our main verse, the language there. Now, I could take a few more minutes and establish the importance that Scripture places on giving thanks on this virtue of gratefulness in the life of the believer. We could do that. We could go over many, many verses. And there are many, many verses that point us in this direction, that remind us of the importance of giving thanks. But having heard some excellent verses read by, by many of you earlier in our gathering, I will simply move forward assuming that we are on the same page, all recognizing the importance of gratitude. Now, with that being said, let's go back to our main verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. If you would, stop for a minute and let that verse inspire in you this take your spiritual temperature kind of question, okay? 
over the course of the past year, was my life characterized by a tendency to give thanks to God no matter my circumstances? Let me ask that one more time. This is a take your spiritual temperature and just ask this question about yourself, your own life. Over the course of this past year, was my life characterized by a tendency to give thanks to God no matter my circumstances? That's a convicting question, isn't it? That's a really convicting question. If that question represented the final exam on a class on thankfulness, sadly, I don't think I would pass that class. I think I would fail. I would be held back. I would have to do it all over again. And no, I'm not here just to make you feel bad about your 12-month track record regarding gratitude. That's not my main point this morning. I simply want us to encourage one another to be honest right now about how 1 Thessalonians 5.18 helps us better understand the condition of our hearts. Because when you think about a question like that, about gratitude, about this past year, when you think about that, you should, if you did struggle with thankfulness this past year, you need to ask, why was that? Why was I struggling in that way? Why is there not a tendency for me to give thanks? Or why is there not a tendency for me to give thanks in all circumstances? in any and every circumstance, to give thanks, to express gratitude to God. Why is that? Is it because we're distracted? Or is it because that we believe that we have earned those things that we have? Or maybe it's the influence of a a pervasive entitlement culture. Or is it all of these things woven together by a deep belief that we deserve certain things. We deserve this or that, and ultimately, something, an attitude, a core orientation or posture fueled by our own sinful pride. This morning, we're not going to answer that question regarding why. It's something to think about. It's something to give attention to for each of us to do that. We're not going to answer that question. Instead, I hope that an honest consideration of your attitude of gratitude this past year, that you honestly, when you honestly consider that, that that will simply result in or strengthen a deep desire in you to do that very thing today and over the course of the next few days. Do what thing today or over the course of the next few days? To give thanks for all your circumstances over the course of this past year. Real easy application, brothers and sisters. Uh, Limited scope. I'm not talking about something, you know, that's going to be, we're going to be talking about months from now. Although, in principle, it would be wonderful, wouldn't it? But I'm really just encouraging you. I'm just asking you, and I'm asking myself to take time over the next two or three days, even if it's five minutes. But I think God deserves more than five minutes. 
simply to go back and give thanks to Him for all your circumstances over the course of this past year. Surveying the previous 12 months is not weird. Looking back over the past 12 months is not strange. It's been happening all around us for the past few weeks. Have you noticed that? You know, <laughs> whether it's in your inbox or your social media feed or on the evening news or in your favorite publication, there's no lack of year-in-review articles, posts, presentations, right? From celebrity deaths, here's who we've lost this year, to the year's top news stories, the top ten news stories, the best movies, the best music, the most influential people of this past year. This kind of looking back, this kind of survey is extremely common. It's already something that we do. Brothers and sisters, if that is true for temporal and often trivial things, may that be true of us as believers in terms of reasons to give thanks to our good and gracious God. Why shouldn't we do that as well? So how might we do this? Okay, again, nitty-gritty, real practical. How might we do this? Well, first, let me suggest that you make room and you make the time, take the time to think back over the past year. You may need to put yourself somewhere quiet, right? Get out of the house. Go somewhere quiet. Take a drive. Go and, go and sit down in your room. Whatever it might be, make the space mentally. Make the space. Take the time on your schedule to think back over the past year. As you do that, as you sit down, some things will immediately come to your mind because they're right there at the forefront of your mind. Some things will come immediately to mind, especially those circumstances that were wonderfully memorable from this past year or extremely painful. Great gain or great loss during this past year. You won't have to work hard at that. They'll just be there when you think about this year, this past year. They'll just be there. Write those down. Make a note of those. For the things that may be harder to remember, you may need to sit down and look over something like a journal, personal notes you make, a diary of some sort. If you keep one of those, if you have one, go ahead and do that. Again, I'm getting real practical here. Look over a wall calendar. Look over your desk calendar. Pull out your phone and look at your phone calendar. Look at your calendar connected to your email account. Look back over over the past 12 months. Speaking of your phone, you could look back over your text messages. You could look back over your social media messages, things that you posted. Or if you're someone who uses your camera regularly, Look back in your photo gallery at the pictures that you took over the past year. You can sort it by time, the last 12 months. Look at those pictures. If it's possible, you might even talk with friends. You might talk with family about what they remember most from this past year. Doing so may stir your own memory and bring back things that you may have forgotten Ultimately, there are lots of different ways to remember this past year. Whichever you use, do that in the spirit of prayer, asking God to help you with such memories. Are you going to remember every single thing that you did this past year? No, you're not going to. 
But I'll tell you what, you will remember lots of things. I, I bet all of us could remember at least 20 or 30 key things over this past year by looking, taking the time to sit down and look through those. Now, that's kind of the first practical point there. Just make the time, use some tools, get some help. But number two, let me suggest secondly, that you divide up those memories into three categories for which you are thankful. So let's use the circumstances language of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Using that language, those three categories would be, number one, happy circumstances. Number two, hard circumstances. And number three, heavenly circumstances. Happy circumstances, hard circumstances, and number three, heavenly circumstances. Could there be other categories as well? Of course there could be. But biblically speaking, these three are just a good place to start. A great way to get going in this kind of spiritual discipline, this kind of spiritual exercise. So let's walk through each of those areas. And as we do that, let's apply God's Word. First of all, thinking back over this past year, give thanks for your happy circumstances. This is cookies on the lowest shelf, brothers and sisters. This is the really easy stuff, okay? This is not difficult. I'm not like, oh, what's he doing up there? He's talking about spiritual disciplines of fasting and, you know, like solitude and silence and living on top of a mountain. Or No, 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 no. This is really cookies on the lowest shelf. Just stop and think back about your happy circumstances over the past year and give thanks to God. Just say, thank you, Father. Thank you. What do I mean by happy circumstances? James chapter 1. Take a look. James chapter 1 verse 17 reminds us that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Notice the all-encompassing language there. Coming down from the Father of lights. He is the one, according to 1 Timothy 6.17, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. He's a good Father. He's a gracious King. These are the obvious things that should put a smile on your face, that truly warm your heart. Good friends, good times, good news about your family, about your health, about your future, a friend saved, a relationship repaired, a trip you enjoyed, a book you enjoyed, a project you completed, a new job, a new chapter, a new perspective, food in your stomach a roof over your head, even those unexpected blessings that even now you think of and your heart is warm. Give thanks, brother, sister. Give thanks to the Father of lights for all of these things. Happy circumstances. For me, I think back and I think, thank you, God, for bringing my son home from Missouri and the basic military training that he was doing. Thank you for that. That's a happy circumstances to be reunited as a family in that way. What might you put on your list? What things would be there for you this past year? Number two, number two, looking back over this past year, also give thanks for your hard circumstances. Your hard circumstances. Now, those are often the circumstances we prefer to forget. 
we're like, oh yeah, that new year can't come fast enough. Like just, you're just waiting for the clock to change so you can say like, oh, that was us like in 20, 2020, wasn't it? Everyone's like, oh, 2020, <laughs> like let it be over. And, you know, as if somehow the, the change of the calendar page was going <laughs> to wash away like everything that was happening in our lives and in the world. But that's where we were. That's where we were spiritually and mentally, emotionally. So these are often the circumstances we prefer to forget. But remember God's word in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks when? In all circumstances. In all circumstances. But, but, but why should we? We have to believe this. We have to understand this because it doesn't make any sense of verse like this if we don't ground it with God's word, ground it in God's word. Why should we? Why should we give thanks for the painful and the confusing and the trying times of this past year? We should do so because Scripture affirms over and over that God is at work in our suffering. That's the simplest way to put it. Why should you give thanks in all circumstances, especially those really hard and hurtful times? Because Scripture gloriously, even if mysteriously, reminds us that God is at work in our suffering. God is at work in our sufferings. Take a look. But we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing this, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. This is the same reason James gave in James chapter 1, to count it all joy when you, when you encounter various trials, brothers and sisters. What is this saying? It's saying that God is at work in our sufferings to do what? To make us more like Jesus. That's how he's at work. And if we love Jesus, we should love that reason. We should be so overjoyed. Really? In that hard time, in that painful time, in that trial that I went through, and maybe I'm still going through or feeling the lingering effects of it, God was making me more like Jesus? Praise God then. I'm good with it. <laughs> I'm good with it. I can be more like my Lord, whom I love, who loved me, gave himself for me. God is at work in our suffering. That's Romans 5, 3 and 4. Why could Paul give thanks? Take a look. That he and his fellow workers were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. They wanted to die because he understood it was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You see, Paul, super apostle, Superman in the faith, right, as often how we look at him, he didn't get it, he had to learn it. He had to learn how God was using his suffering, and he came to the conclusion by God's grace and through the power of God's Spirit that God was teaching him to rely on him and not on his own strength. And then, of course, we know later in the book he'll really un unpack this, won't he? He's like, how did God teach him this? Uh, something called a thorn in the flesh. Didn't like it. <laughs> we know he didn't like it because he was praying over and over again, 
get it out of my life, God. Please get it out of my life. And God was teaching him, wasn't he? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Right? In your weakness, my power is made perfect. If that's the reason God signed me up, I got it. I get it. I see what you're doing. He said, and he gives thanks in these hard circumstances, for God is at work in these hard circumstances. He's always at work in the lives of his children. Give thanks for the promises of God. Give thanks for the power of God. Give thanks for the presence of God. Things that are always true and always available to us. They are at work in us in our hardest, even our hardest circumstances. So as you go back over this past year and you look at those trying times, give thanks that God was with you. He didn't leave you alone. Give thanks that you had spiritual resources and wisdom to get through that. Give thanks for the people who walked alongside of you. Give thanks for the promises of God that kept your chin up. Give thanks for the work unseen that you can't even know right now that God is working out as He's weaving a tapestry of your life. Give thanks for those things. And that leads us beautifully to this second point. Sorry, a third point. Finally, third. Thinking about your life this past year, be sure to give thanks for your heavenly circumstances. Brother, sister, even, even when we take the happy things for granted, even when the hard things inspire grumbling rather than gratitude. Now, that doesn't happen, does it? Oh, yeah, it happens for all of us. Even when those happy and hard things are doing that in our life, what is far above our earthly circumstances are heavenly realities that were just as powerfully true in your life this past year as they ever were in your story. And they are just as powerfully true, these heavenly realities, they are just as powerfully true for you as for any believer who has ever lived. Yeah, your, your experience, your perception, your estimation, your valuation of those heavenly realities may have changed over time. You may have had a difficult year, and so it's harder to see those things. But those heavenly circumstances have not changed one bit. They have not moved one centimeter. Unchanged. No different at all. Think about it. No matter what has happened this past year, no matter what is happening in your life today, you can and should give thanks that your names are written in heaven. Luke 10, verse 20. That Christ is seated at God's right hand. Colossians 3, verse 1. That He always lives to make intercession for us. Hebrews 7.25 That there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1 That in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Romans 8.37 That God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 1, 
verse 3, and that God has seated us with him in those heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, verse 6, that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, 6, and finally, number 1, take a look on the screen here, that all things are yours, whether the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. Wow. Wow. Talk about heavenly circumstances. And I just gave you this super short recounting of those amazing spiritual truths, those heavenly circumstances. 1 Corinthians, that was 1 Corinthians 3, 21 through 23. You see, there's never not a circumstance in which you cannot give thanks. No matter what you're going through, no matter how you feel, right? No matter, like William encouraged us this morning, if you're not feeling thankfulness in your heart this morning, be thankful. And that's what we need to do. We need to press forward, not trying to develop a life of just mechanical, rote, right, religious observance. We're not doing that. But sometimes we need to step out and say it's saying, God, I, I trust that your work and the feelings are going to catch up with me as I'm stepping out in faith. Right? You're going to make me that. C.S. Lewis talks about that, about loving others. If you don't presently have love for your neighbor in your heart, do what you know would be loving for your neighbor. And then watch how God actually works love up in your heart. How he, how he, 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 he kindles it in your heart for that neighbor as you are presently doing what you know is loving in his or her life. In the same way, practice thankfulness. Practice gratitude. Take the time to say, man, on my radar right now is a lot of stuff I'm not really thankful for. I wish it never happened. I wish it wasn't going on. But I know that there are at least heavenly circumstances that I can be grateful for right now. Because they are always true. They are never not true. And even though I might have felt them when I was a younger man or a younger woman, maybe they were, I felt them profoundly a year ago before all this garbage happened in my life. I know that they have not, those realities have not changed one bit. They are just as true now as they ever were. And they were true this entire past year in my life. Friends, let us look back and give thanks again. Maybe, right? Or for the first time, in light of every circumstance from this past year, on this December 31st, let us look back over this past year. Every circumstance, happy, hard, heavenly, even giving thanks for the most mundane circumstances, right? The things that from your perspective just were, you know. I got up and brushed my teeth. I got in the car. I had to go down and buy a gallon of milk. You know, I had to clock in at work. <sighs> oh, 
Snoresville, even for those, give thanks that you're even able to give thanks. <laughs> give thanks that you have mundane times in your life because we all know that there are difficult times that come and we think, oh, for a mundane season of my life right now, <laughs> I, wish, I wish things were just calm. I could go back the way that they were. Give thanks even for those. For even when you weren't aware of it, brother, sister, God was at work in your life this way. God was at work. And do you know what will happen? Do you understand what will happen when we give ourselves over the today and the next few days, when we give ourselves over to this kind of reflection and this kind of thankfulness? Our looking, here's what will happen. Our looking back at what has been will prepare us will train us for what will be in the new year. I don't know about you, but I need to practice gratitude. I need, I need practice. I need to prime the pump for the new year. And what better way than going back and looking over God's faithfulness, His graciousness, His blessings from this past year. What a beautiful and powerful and God-glorifying resolution for the new year. If you're a person that makes resolution, even if they flip through your mind in a passing way, <laughs> this is a great one. To be more grateful in the new year. To practice gratitude. To g truly give thanks in all circumstances. Make that your goal. Make that your resolve to say, God, help me, even if it's the smallest way, just to stop in the good times and the bad times and look up and say, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. By His grace, by, the by, the, by His gospel, I believe that that resolution to be more grateful is even more within our reach when we begin by simply remembering. Amen? Let's ask God together, if you would, pray with me and let's ask God to help us in this practice to cultivating us this heart.